Welcome to Tone Deaf, a theater nerd's guide for their musically challenged spouse. I'm Kay, a musical theater nerd. And I'm Warren. I'm musically challenged. So today, Warren, we are going to be doing musical reviews. We're going to be talking about a amazing dancer slash choreographer slash... Uh, I, I spent way too long researching him. <laughs> So, uh, Donald McHale. I have a weird question yes. that probably will be answered, but I want to see if I can guess what it is. Yes. So, based on the context of this whole musical reviews thing, mm-hmm. uh, I am going to bet that it is a musical that reviews another musical. So. <laughs> no. <laughs> not quite but i'm gonna get into some stuff related to uh, it it will tie in a tiny bit to my presentation on reviews okay uh, i will shut up and listen <laughs> you are fine and uh we're gonna we're gonna be having uh sophisticated ladies be the review that we watch which is one that donald McHale created like i said i've talked about and alluded to musical reviews many times but never actually told you what they are (laughs) this is true i can verify as by my uh completely inaccurate guess at the beginning of this episode you are fine so musical reviews spelled r-e-v-u-e because french Hmm. are a theatrical form oh no it's french well the word is and they kind of I'll, I'll get into it in my presentation, because if I go too far off my notes, this okay. will become a 50-minute episode. I'm, I'm, putting on, I'm putting on my student hat. <laughs> I, I, will, I will eagerly listen and be quiet. All right. So, they are a theatrical form that on the surface may look like a variety or vaudeville or burlesque show with music, dance acts, sketches, no actual plot. And that would be correct, because that's kind of where they get their influences. That sounds very entertaining. They are. They are very entertaining. Um, I personally like that style, even though I, I don't know, I hesitate to, I, I, I hesitate to lump them in with other musicals just because of how different they are from musicals, but they are still a legitimate form of it. And uh, as I'm going to get into, they were really popular for a time, like yeah. ridiculously popular to where if you thought musical, you thought these. It was like, almost like a, a hybrid and precursors, like a musical sketch comedy. It was, yeah. And uh, the difference with them and other variety acts or vaudeville or minstrel or anything like that is that they are usually tied together with a central theme. So they don't have a plot, but they do have a theme. Okay. Um, So they started in Europe and England before coming over to the U.S., where we have our first musical review, The Passing Show, by Sidney Rosenfeld and Ludwig Englander, and presented by George Lederer in 1894. What's to be said about The Passing Show, other than it was the minimum viable product? It passed. Uh... Well, I'm just joking. I'm being a... I don't want to think about minimum viable product right now. <laughs> I'm... No. So this this review was meant as a parody of the shows that were produced that year on Broadway. And that does become a theme in some types of sh- review shows that exist out there. You could almost say that Saturday's Voyeur sometimes was a review, but they did still have a plot in their shows so i would hesitate to call them a review you could maybe consider forbidden broadway kind of a review um that's which you haven't seen forbidden broadway you've just heard me sing some of the songs but um they i would i would what am i trying to say uh i'll just go back to my notes (laughs) so uh after the passing show premieres it becomes an annual production and it spawns other review shows and i've decided that later i'm going to show you some of the older movie musical reviews that still exist and uh that'll just be another month because most of them are white-led productions not black-led productions Mm -hmm. so because of the 
you know. Nature of the specific episodes, yes. Well, and also the nature of what gets preserved and what doesn't. Ah, uh, yeah. That <laughs> also is yeah. unfortunate. Yeah, and I won't go too far into that other than there are some reviews that I really wish I could find somewhere. So, in the lead up to the Great Depression, these were extremely popular and extravagant pieces of theater. Like... That's where you get a lot of the burlesque-style costumes. You get uh, shows. Have you ever seen thing? Have Have you ever had a reference to Ziegfeld Follies at all? Yes, and I... That's reviews. But I, I only have heard it as a word that I didn't know what it means. Okay. I, I didn't know what it was. But <laughs> I have... Right. I do know I have heard of Ziegfeld Follies. Okay. Um, there's those. There's... Uh, Oh, what were some of the other ones? Because I wasn't focusing on them this this <laughs> week. But, you know, if, if you think a lot of big dance numbers, but there's no plot stringing them together, there's just, oh, these are all the songs by this composer, and so uh, we're going to have these big extravagant numbers to this composer. That was the review at this time period. And... Uh, you're going to see that with sophisticated ladies, even though sophisticated ladies is from the 80s. <laughs> they do very much lean into the older style of reviews or the and more big, classic. Big extravagant spectacles. That, yes. So, yeah. So I guess vast as an ocean, deep as a pond kind of thing. Yes. Um, and so they waned in popularity, but here and there a new review would pop up. And this is where I'm going to put out a call again to anyone, <laughs> anyone who has footage of any version of the show Tomfoolery, which is a review of the songs of Tom Lehrer, please email tonedeafmusical at gmail.com. I hey, will do anything. Lucifer, you owe us one. You do. You do owe us one. We got you <laughs> out of that. <laughs> we got you out of that bind a few weeks back. You owe us one. Lucifer's a guy that, you know, gives us free uh, free gl grass clippings and stuff for my composter, so he owes us one. <laughs> so, that is just a really quick primer on these shows before we get into the meat of today's episode, which is Donald McHale and his review from 1981, Sophisticated Ladies. And I ran into this issue where I was originally going to talk about both him and Duke Ellington, but both of them have such rich stories, and I feel like I need to take more time with both of them. So this is going to be a review on the life of Donald McHale, and I am going to be looking for more of his works so that we can do a very in-depth episode on him, because he is fascinating. Cool. And I, I want to revisit him, and I have a feeling that I have some books in our boxes at home <laughs> that are books with him, like about him or touch on him a little bit. So there will be more about him later. And uh, this was all a lot more than I intended to do while I was doing the notes for it, because I realized... He was one of the many dancers that we covered in my African-American experience through dance class in college. Uh-huh. And I, I am just sort of like, oh, oh, this is going to be a whole section next year. <laughs> See, I thought you were going to say that he was somebody we covered in past uh, Black History no. theater episodes. And I was going to be like, that wouldn't surprise me. Uh <laughs> yeah, no, no, we haven't covered him yet. I've alluded to companies that he has worked with i believe mm -hmm. but uh we haven't actually covered him so about donald McHale, he was born on july 6th 1930 cancers represent in new york city he was of jamaican descent and grew up in east harlem which was integrated at the time his parents were both liberal activists, which was a major influence on him, but one fact that caught my attention as a blues and jazz fan was that he was influenced by his high school English teacher. His name was uh, Abel Mirapol, and he wrote the poem Strange Fruit, which is what was later made into the song made famous by Billie Holiday and later Nina Simone. Yeah, the song that I... It mm -hmm. is haunting. Yes, yeah. it is. So that kind of gives you an idea of some more of his influences. And I, I was very 
I, I I had this moment of like, oh my gosh, I have something that I can point to that Warren knows. <laughs> that might tickle a brain cell. <laughs> That'll tickle a brain cell so he knows where it's coming from. <laughs> so, um, he also joined the Frederick Douglass Society in high school because guess what wasn't being time guess what wasn't being taught at the time in schools in any meaningful way oh the same stuff that's trying to get banned now mhm mm-hmm. yep so he's got this in his background but he also has a, a theater and dance in his background cuz his father worked maintenance for the Copacabana nightclub and uh, his parents would take him to social dances and to West Indies immigrant parties, which is also going to be absolutely foundational for him for the long term. But he's not going to be classically trained yet in dance. He's, it's very much just social dancing. So kind of uh, what he's picked up, what his peers have taught him, stuff like that, just yeah. what he's kind of, kind of a self-taught artist to an extent. Yeah, so in the 40s, he sees this amazing dancer named Pearl Primus, who I almost went down a rabbit hole oh, on. Primus. Yes. Is that their real name? Yes. Oh, that's cool. At least I believe so. I almost went down a rabbit hole that on is, her. That's a baller stage name if that's not the real name, Primus. Yeah, I, I have to save her for another episode, too, because there's so much information <laughs> on her. And uh, he gets inspired, and without any formal training, he's accepted into and gets a scholarship for the new dance group, which taught a variety of dance styles from ballet to modern to Afro-Caribbean, and within a year, he was doing his own choreography, beginning with his first solo piece, Saturday's Child, in 1948, and this was meant to show the struggles of the homeless population. Mm. And uh, you'll find that a lot with a lot of dance that's from both this era and it shows up a lot in in modern times as dance being used for social movements rather than just like the meaning of the dance is for a social movement it's to highlight something interesting okay. yeah and when when i do a full episode on him we will be watching all of his dances okay. that are available on youtube Uh, because that way you can get kind of an idea of what I mean by that. So, uh, this piece led to his induction in the Committee for the Negro in the Arts. He choreographed several other pieces, including Creole Afternoon, Games, Rainbow Round My Shoulder. In 1964, he choreographs the musical Golden Boy, for which he was nominated for a Tony, and he was also nominated for a Tony for Best Choreography when he choreographed the musical adaptation of Raisin in the Sun, called Raisin. Ooh. Again, the email address for any versions of Golden Boy or Raisin is tonedefmusical at gmail.com, and I'm mostly speaking visual, not audio, because audio, well, Raisin, I can't even find a soundtrack, but I can for Golden Boy. <laughs> I... I have been vexed by this for decades. <laughs> yeah, it's unfortunate that they were not preserved. They probably are somewhere. It's just that I'm not cool enough to get into an archive. <laughs> Kay, we both know that's not true. You just don't have the right contacts yet for the archive. Aw, thanks. So, one example of his choreography that I know that you have seen. Uh-oh, that's a lot of pressure is this little kids movie that had mixed that had mixed in animation and live action and Angela Lansbury. Bed knobs and broomsticks? Yes. Yay. He choreographed that. So there's a little bit of an example there too. Nice. For you. So in 1981, he created and choreographed the review Sophisticated Ladies, which was based on Duke Ellington's music. And uh, I, I really wanted to go into him too, but I don't want this to be a super long intro this week because I've been really bad at keeping these tight. So instead, I'm going to give you an idea of how this was received with part of the opening of the New York Times review for Sophisticated Ladies. In the course of his extraordinary career, Duke Ellington did just about everything with jazz that any immortal could be expected to do. Yet, strangely enough, there was one goal that eluded this giant of American music right up to his death in 1974. He never had a hit Broadway show to call his own. Well, it sure looks like, it sure looks as if he has one now. 
Sophisticated Ladies, the new musical review at the Lunt Fontan, uh, I totally butchered that name, oh well, is an Ellington celebration that just won't quit until it is won over the audience with its dynamic showmanship. It's not a perfect entertainment. It's not a perfect entertainment, let's save the flaws for later, but it rides so high on affection, skill, and of course stunning music that lapses don't begin to spoil the fun. What's more, this is the only Broadway review of recent vintage that operates on a truly grand scale. There's a lavishness in this show's physical production, right up to the last spangle on the last top hat, and it's in its depth of performing talent right down to the last member of the chorus that actually squares with current Broadway ticket prices. Ellington, who had an extravagant sp style to go with his genius, would undoubtedly be pleased. Very nice. So that's what you're in for. Cool. So... This was nominated for eight Tonys and won <laughs> Best Costume and Best Featured Actor and ran from March 1st, 1981 to January 2nd, 1983. And I couldn't find as much on this as I wanted to, so that's why I'm focusing on Don McHale, but then, yeah. Like I said, this could fill episodes. <laughs> so... McHale also created his own dance company, Donald McHale and the Dancers, which was active from 1951 to 1969. He headed the Inner City Repertory Dance Company in the early 70s. He worked with the Alvin Ailey American Dance Theater, which was will be a whole other episode. Like I said, <laughs> this reminded me of so many rabbit holes I have wanted to go down and why I'm so mad that all these books are in storage. <laughs> Oh, next. I guess not storage, <laughs> but yeah. they're in a box in our house, and I don't know which box. Because <laughs> towards the end of moving, I had labeled things with, it came from <laughs> the pantry, or... it's <laughs> <sighs> <was> so funny. <laughs> I just want to be done. <laughs> this came from Kay's desk. We don't know what it is. This might be dinosaurs. It might be books that they need. So... Uh, he was in, he was a choreographer for the Lehman Dance Company for several years, starting in 1995. He was also the dance captain for the original run of West Side Story at one point. Hmm. He, uh, towards the end of his life, was the endowed chair at UC Irvine. Like I said, multiple episodes about this man. <laughs> I could do so many. I need to get some some more books. So. On April 6, 2018, he passed in a hospital near Irvine, California, and was survived by his wife and his three children. So that's the rundown, quickly, of Donald <laughs> McHale's life, and just a fraction of his accomplishments. Yeah, maybe to do like a, a, a month spotlight or something. Yeah, yeah. I, because the... African dance, African American experience through dance class that I took at the U was really helpful for me in my first year of college, and I forgot for a little while just how much I loved the stuff that I learned in that class. Like mm -hmm. there were some because even though I'm not a big modern dance person, because I don't know some of the modern dance that I saw when I was a little kid, I didn't get it. But uh, the way that stuff was presented in that class for black modern dance made me just go, oh, I have a new appreciation for it. And so I do want to talk about that, but it won't be this this month. Okay. It may be a later month. It may be that we decide to do a surprise black history episode some point this year, like I wanted to do last year and then we didn't. Um, but it'll be after I get everything unpacked. <laughs> <laughs> huh, anyway, that is Sophisticated Ladies, and that is me coming in at uh, about 20 minutes. Go me. Nice. <laughs> Look at that. Look at you. <laughs> um, that's amazing. Now we can go however long we want with your review of you're, Sophisticated Ladies. You're so incredibly miraculous and enthralling. I can't take my eyes off you. Yes. Yes. Acknowledge your greatness, Kay. They are amazing. <laughs> RK is an awesome K. They reign. My K is an awesome K. They are 
awesome and cool our K is an awesome K. I love that. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Ever since we started playing World Box, I've had awesome God stuff. In my head. <laughs> and then there's my case. Our God is a clumsy God. <laughs> our God is a clumsy God. He rains down fire and death. He did not mean to press. Our God is a clumsy God. Our God caused an earthquake accidentally and destroyed an entire continent. Whoops. My bad, guys. Uh, we got everything here. Fun. No, we don't have K. Education. What? Reviews. We don't have a review yet. But I know where we can go find one. Yes, in the living room where we can watch <laughs> Sophisticated Ladies. Let's go! Woo! Hey, Warren. Hey, Kay. Do you know what time it is? Is it time to talk about our favorite people in the whole wide world? It is! Woo! We'd like to thank our stage crew sponsors, Jasmine Wu, Jeff, Tyler McCarty, and Shamick. And our producer circle sponsors, Bianucci, Taylor Brandt, Jesse, and Cookie. Thank you all so much for your continued support of our show. We truly appreciate it. Feeling better for me is top priority, mentally, physically, and emotionally. They all work together. Talking about the things that we all may experience, but just don't quite know how to say, really opens up some new dialogue and perspective. That's the goal here. Sometimes you gotta see yourself a little bit better and leave yourself alone because there are other people who see you for exactly who you are. And that's all good. We stay elevated here. But even Dr. Jekyll had a dark side. I mean, who doesn't love a good story to make the hairs on their arms stand up? I started to walk a little faster just figuring if it was probably someone trying to scare me. It was like a hazing, but this, didn't feel right. Night Owl is the hangout for those horror fans looking for a little bump in the night. Monday motivation, Friday frights. We like balance here, and the Bird Brain Podcast has it all. Take flight. Sleep tight. And now, the lights are going down and the music starting back up, so let's head back to the second act of our show. Alright Warren, so what did you think of your first musical review? I thought it was pretty sophisticated, and yeah. there were a lot of ladies. <laughs> that there were, Warren, mm -hmm. that there were. I thought it was pretty good. Um, uh, it was very different from anything that we've reviewed before because mm -hmm. it was pretty much constant music non-stop yes. the music changed you know just to kind of fit the mood of whatever the the particular song was mm -hmm. but oh man just wall-to-wall -wall jazz and i loved it awesome and uh yeah it, like it was different because you know you're right there was no story you know mm -hmm. no no plot really the whole theme was duke ellington's music and it just it was good it was good i am so glad they had an interesting thing that i noticed and i'll talk about it in my notes but each the songs always kind of had a a running theme and the theme was generally like love or romance or passion you know yeah and it was always a mix, like it would always, they would have like a sad song and then it would go into a happy song or a vibrant song. And then mm -hmm. that would go into a sad song and then a vibrant song. And so it was this constant, um, good swing down, swing up. Like they did a very good job of maintaining kind of a harmony between yes. it. It wasn't down too long and then up too high. It did very much just, it was so incredibly artistically well done, just expertly so and uh uh i know we found out later at the end in the credits that the composer yes. was duke ellington's son yes and he did a great job just <laughs> just all of the music was so good i wish like i know that i like jazz mm -hmm. i forgot that uh my favorite type of jazz is the big band jazz yes um 
And it was just... It's my favorite. Too. Yeah, it was just wall-to-wall just great. Just uh. lots of, of lovely, vibrant, exciting music, you know? And just as I'm typing... You know, you saw me. As I'm typing, I'm like bopping in my seat and bouncing and just kind of yeah, thing. And, yeah, And of course, they... Uh, they uh, uh, not open. Well, kind of open. They kind of open and close the show with the uh, it don't mean a thing if it ain't got that swing. Do I 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 And that just I love that. And that it's been a while since I've heard that song. It's mm. gonna be living rent free in my head for the foreseeable future. Like just I'm I'm gonna be working tomorrow and I'm just gonna be it don't mean a thing if it ain't got that swing. I'll add it to the sing in the car. Oh it's music. I just I love it. I love it. <laughs> I'm so, so glad <laughs> But yeah, so okay, so getting into it, the show opens up with some great jazz music as the credits introduce some of the big names, and uh, man, I am digging this jazz. I think I need to put Duke Ellington on a playlist or Mm -hmm. something. So anyways, the awesome intro music ends, and some guys come out on stage in white tuxedos, and they start to tap dance and scatting all over the place as as they're singing about being rug cutters, which... Unless that is a euphemism for something, I assume they're just happy to have a job cutting rugs in the rug factory. These guys are just very excited, <laughs> and they prove it by having very happy, tappy feet. Cutting a rug is just another term for dancing. Why? Uh, I could probably look it up. I just, it just seemed like such, and I, my, my, the green side of my brain kicked in and just went into full-on literal mode. And it's like, well, they said that they're rug cutters. So, how are rugs made? Do they just have a long sheet of rug? And there's somebody in the factory just slicing off the edge. Okay, hit, hit the eight-foot mark. Oh, okay, this one's the 12-foot mark. These guys were just singing about being rug cutters. I'm sure I could find the etymology of why uh, cutting a rug is the term for dancing you know i could imagine that um you know it, pro- it probably because there is a rug somewhere that people danced on and is very very worn and yeah so yeah so the happy the uh, happy feeders tap their way off stage and a man in a slick 1920s suit talking about how music is a woman And right on cue, music, the woman, comes out and dances with the man, who goes on to say that uh, that, uh, only is music a woman, not only is music a woman, but they are a sophisticated lady, Mm -hmm. and he can't wait to take that lady on the town. This is the realm, this is a realm of Pygmalion that I have never thought possible, (laughs) that the abstract concept of music has manifested itself into a corporeal form that this man is going to take on a date. I guess it's like late lady luck, but oh gosh! So Mr. and Mrs. Music announce that the announce the next dance number, and it's a okay. It's four women in bikinis, basically, yes. with big palm tree like leaves on their costumes and googly eyed tops. So I was giggling my butt off while these ladies were shaking their jungle butts because they have these big googly eye boobs that are going all over the places they're shaking. Yeah, it was the jungle preview. Jungle preview was what that they announced with it. Okay, so that was the jungle Mm -hmm. preview. And since we have had four scantily clad ladies on screen, it's time for something for the ladies (laughs) watching because a scantily clad man in a leopard outfit jumps jumps out of the jungle ladies and he starts to dance with them. The lyricless dance scene ends. The scene transitions to a woman in what looks like, to me and my broken brain, a Navy sailor outfit with no hat. (laughs) But if it was bedazzled so much, it could interfere with radar. (laughs) Because it was white and blue, and it had kind of like the diamond, almost like the the necktie thing that the Navy uniforms have, the sailor suits. And that's the only thing I could think of to compare Mm -hmm. what she looked like. Yeah, no, that's fine. She's very sparkly. Mm Mm-hmm. This... I approve of sparkles. Because <laughs> you're a bird. Yeah. This woman is singing about hitting her with a hot note, and she is quite the singer. Very smoky, deep, booming voice. Uh, Sparkle Lady takes her leave from the scene, and some gentlemen roll a woman out on a red piano, and she sings about how good things come to those who wait. But then a man jumps up on the piano and starts singing to the piano lady about going to Perdito. 
and Torito. This makes me want to eat a Dorito in a Speedo <laughs> while I sip on a mojito. That's enough rhyming for now. So our dancers have made it to so our dancers have made it to the beach, this metaphorical beach that they're going to, in their minds, and they soft dance while talking about is the tide high or low? Maybe we should go. Adios! And they exit the stage, seen right. They exit the stage right, but not before popping back in to smile out the crowd and get some applause before scampering away. And I do have a origin for you of cutting a rug. Yes, please. I have to know. So it comes from back when you dance the jitterbug, which is a really vigorous dance. And if you were dancing multiple, like a bunch of couples in one area, it would actually make the carpet look like it had been cut through or gashed because of all the dancing on it. See, that, okay, that I do, that does make sense. So Just that's where cutting a rug comes so from. So much fast friction on the floor mm-hmm. creates visible lines. Yes. And so cutting a rug. Okay. A man comes out in some bright, colorful clothes and a huge push broom. He proceeds to start sweeping the floor, and he sings about someone who left him a house in Texas that's behind on payments, a can of beans from Boston, a coffee pot from Peru, and a knife and a cutting board. Everything that a man could want, except you. (laughs) And the whole song is just about him, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. There wasn't enough context. He got a letter from, from his sweetheart saying, hey, come meet me here, and then he showed up and... Maybe he got catfished before catfishing was a thing. Mm -hmm. I don't know. All he says, he shows up, and he's got a house that he can't pay for that's empty, and the woman that he was excited to be with isn't there. Yep. Sad day. He looked like Kenneth from 30 Rock a little bit. This same actor, yeah, this same dancer, he kind of does. He kind of does. And it was, he was interesting, because I think he's a, uh, a smaller guy. Yeah. Just looking at him compared, you know, being with other dancers and stuff on stage. And I think my favorite part that I saw him in, though, was him with the push broom. Yes. Because it was just him by himself on stage, but his his physical um, presence was really mm-hmm. good in that scene. Yes. So anyway, yes, he says that he has everything a man could want, except you! And the sad janitor drags his broom to leave as sad piano music begins to play. But he stops suddenly. There is a spotlight on the floor, and the janitor tries to clean it like a cat with a laser pointer. (laughs) The spotlight gets away from the janitor and reveals our next star. A woman in frilly blue outfit singing about how melody is great and all. But it don't mean a thing if it ain't got that swing. Dua, 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 dua. Doesn't matter if the music is sweet or hot. You gotta give it all you got, because it don't mean a thing if it ain't got that swing. (laughs) And I rate that outfit that she was wearing a 3,000 out of 10. I would wear it. (laughs) It was very feathery and frilly i the, loved it i think the biggest difference is uh, you would probably want it in a different color yes was, i would it, i would have it in a different color it was kind of a would. bright powdery blue yeah. or more like a sky blue yeah uh yeah i would have it in like a dark purple or something mm-hmm. look like a raven and a horde of orange and white asymmetrically dressed tuxedo <laughs> men come out <laughs> And fancy feet like pros, tapping along, but ultimately leaving the stage rather quickly as a man in a teal and white tuxedo comes out and just dances amazingly, making my knees and ankles cry out in imaginary pain as I watch in awe as he's joined by another guy and the two do a tap dance off that uh, combined with the amazing music and singing brings the house down and they pause to get a standing ovation from their audience after that number. Yeah, you know it's good when you get an ovation in the middle of your show. (laughs) That was the thing that was funny too because it was a really good scene and then both guys with the the woman singing, you know, in the Mm. middle... Uh, like after the scene was finished and they're like getting ready to leave, you see people standing up and clapping and the everybody's Whoa! And so they yeah. just they really quickly kind of walk forward, take a bow, <laughs> yes. and then go off stage so that yeah. they can, you know, continue to the next part of the show. So a man in a gold suit and a woman in a little bo peep outfit, for <laughs> lack of a better description. <laughs> They come out and the two of them sing about how much they love one another, and they both scat 
all over the place with hibbity bababas and bleep blaps and all manner of nonsensical mouth noises that for some reason work with this style of music. I don't know why, but put it in my ear holes. But now you understand why I like scat. I don't dislike scat. It just doesn't make sense to me. It's mm. it's the same thing as if you're listening to any... Like, I think about alternative rock I'd listen to, and people will make... No, singers will make noises that aren't lyrics that just go along with the music and kind of fill in the gaps. Mm-hmm. I know that's not scat. <laughs> <laughs> My brain can't tell them apart because it's all imaginary noises that don't actually mean anything in their own, you know, bubble. So, I mean, if you if you plopped dua out of the song, just what is dua? Dua doesn't mean anything. Do, the action of doing something, wah. It's imitating what, different what instruments. Is, what is the wah? See, that's what I mean. Like, mm-hmm. they're making noises that go along with the music but aren't words. Mm-hmm. They're not lyrics. And, and it breaks my brain every time because, <laughs> one, I cannot scat. At all. You and I, when you and I have, like, when I've been listening to music with you in the car or whatever, if you're singing, and I try to scat along, uh, it's just crappy. <laughs> yeah, my dad taught me when I was really little. That was one of the that was one of the few things that my dad taught me that still sticks with me and was positive. The stage explodes as more people come out and start lindy hopping and throwing each other all over the place in a flurry of twists and spins and, uh... Barrel roll tornado kicks. Some of these moves <laughs> look like attacks in a fighting game. I don't know what else to call it when somebody jumps, like they're holding hands with another person, they jump, that person throws them, and they spin in a sideways tornado with their legs spread, and if there were like 20 people there, they would have kicked all 20 heads right off. Like that is some high-level martial arts moves right there. I mean, that's what it's called now. (laughs) (laughs) Tornado kick. Barrel roll tornado kick. Barrel roll tornado kick. That's the new dance term. (laughs) Don't make up the rules. I just enforce them. You know better than to question me. (laughs) Anyways, the hopping in honor of Lindy ends and the music slows down and gets some more bass and soul to it. A woman comes out in a pink and black stylish jacket and sings about catching the A train. And she makes some train scat doot doots. And the, <laughs> and the subtitles say that it's lively scatting. And boy, do they lively scat all over the place. But then they finally use more real lyrics. And they say again that they're waiting for the A train. And the number ends with a huge applause. <laughs> so this, this particular song is a great example of uh, where 95% of the song is scat. Mm-hmm. Because it opens up with her singing very, like, slowly and deeply just about waiting for the A-Train. And I know I'm doing that entirely it's wrong. It's okay, baby. But singing about the A-Train, and then it goes, then once her, the, her uh, cohort shows up, they're just doing a lot of dancing and scatting. Mm-hmm. And then at the very end, they just really bellow it out, the waiting for the A-Train. And the trombone player comes down and does yeah. a solo. And so yeah. then they're, that's, that is the perfect example of great use of scat because they're doing, they're all basically uh, doing, I guess, a trio at this point of the the same sort of, what am I trying to say? They're they're duetting with a trombone, and it's really cool. Yeah, and it really was. That's what it's used for. That's when it's the best. And one of the things that I and I, because you never know the dynamics between uh, peers behind the stage. Mm-hmm. But one thing that I at least perceived watching this was it seemed like everybody had really good chemistry with one yes. another. That they were like close-knit, you know, mm-hmm. because I think about what you're talking about where that trombone player came out of the, the the main thing and he's just got this big smile on his face as he's walking up, you know, and he's doing his, his doot-doots while they're scatting and stuff and it just, you really, and the, when uh, when he's flanked on both sides by the other two and they just, big smiles, like they are, and I guess that's the thing with performers, like you, you as a performer, mm-hmm. you just love it. You feel the best when you are 
doing your craft. Yes. And these people, they just, they were glowing. They were so happy mm -hmm. to be doing what they were doing. And they were doing it with such a level of expertise that you can't help but smile along. Absolutely. So, things take a turn now. The music gets dark and somber. The camera focuses in on a woman in pink who starts to sing about her solitude in her memories. While she sits in her chair, full of despair, with memories of her love. And all while this woman is singing beautifully, another woman is on stage in a pink dress, expressing the emotions of the song in dance. And she sure does flail around and do her best to embody the feelings of despair that this woman is singing about. Because mm -hmm. at one point she's like on the ground almost like she's dead and then she like spreads her legs and just does like this tornado kick and then flips over, you know, and so it's mm. almost like the throes of anguish is yeah. kind of the emotion that I got from it. Because you have this beautiful voice, this woman just singing about, you know, um, and I, you can probably, I mean, Fill me in if I'm wrong or if I'm incorrect about this. Mm -hmm. But it seemed like the song, I don't know if her love was gone or if they died or just they broke up, but it just seems like she's got this torch she's carrying for somebody. And mm -hmm. that's what her despair is, is having the memories of being with that person now that they're no longer there. Yeah. And then you had and then you had flailing dancer lady representing the the, mm -hmm. the physical manifestation of those emotions and just being like, <laughs> yeah, that's the modern dance portion of the show. Oh, okay. I could see like that. That's that's kind of how modern dance is. No, you're you're so so uh you might need to correct me again. Um is modern dance di Okay, yes, they are different cuz they're called different things. Uh, <laughs> 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 but uh I was going to ask if interpretive dance and modern dance are different things, and yeah, because that's why they're called different things, but uh, interpretive dance, I think, is generally more uh, spur of the moment and like channeling what you feel regarding the, the music where uh, modern dance, I would say, is probably more choreographed yes. and actually rehearsed, Yeah, where, and that's definitely what she was doing. Even mm -hmm. though she did a lot of flailing, I'm it's sure there very was rehearsed. great choreography to yeah. it, you know? And I want to say that interpretive dance is a, and modern dance isn't my big thing, but I want to say that it is a subtype of modern dance, interpretive dances. Um, but I could be very wrong. It has been a long time since I've done anything in that realm of dance. So I I haven't seen a whole lot of interpretive dance. I do remember a talent show one time when I was in school, and there was a girl who did an interpretive dance. And I just remember interpretive dance as just being, she's like, <laughs> boiled down to the broth in my brain. Interpretive dance is, I like this song, but I don't really have dancing skills so i'm just gonna move around and people will think i'm artistic i know that's not necessarily true <laughs> but every person i knew growing up who did any kind of interpretive dance they were somebody who wished they had a talent or skill but didn't want to practice anything but still mm -hmm. wanted people to think they were good at something it, that's really rude that's really mean of me to say. and and i think that proper interpretive dance you do need the bass line say... to be able to have it be something that someone can look at and go oh i can see what you're doing rather than you don't you didn't practice anything for this because i'm pretty sure interpretive dance is practiced it's just that it's self-choreographed more than someone else choreographing you i could mm. be wrong because again yeah it's been a decade since I've done anything <laughs> related to dance. And that's fair. And your husband is uncultured swine uh, wallowing around in his ignorance and hoping that, uh, that it's all right. <laughs> so, okay. so the music swings up and a couple come back on stage and they are just all lovey to one another. Okay, so, so, so we have the sad song, you know, Lost in the Memories of Your Despair. That song ends. The music swings back up and a couple come on stage and they are just very lovey to one another and they sing about their good memories and how they live in their hearts and then they touch faces and the audience claps <laughs> and i will talk about these two i like, talk about the chemistry moment mm -hmm. the camera like these two 
I don't know if they were like a thing or not, but you very much get the chemistry feel between them Mm because like the way that they get really, really close when they're just lips to lips singing basically. And the guy has like this, this intense look on his face and the woman is just all grin kind mm-hmm. of thing and it it makes you happy to watch when you're like ah oh, these people are are having a good time yeah and that's that's some good acting there cuz again you don't know for sure and i don't know if they had anything going on behind stage i don't know but but then they touched faces and the audience was like woo kissing <laughs> we are such a weird species yeah humans are weird i mean <laughs> life is weird in general uh, <laughs> so woo the- Woo! <laughs> so Woo! Touch those face lips. Woo! So, so weird. <laughs> so Caravan starts to play. Thank you, subtitles. <laughs> and a man in what I can only describe is a bedazzled flight suit with a bunch of fluff on the collar. Yes. So much fluff, in fact, that I thought the man was supposed to be a lion. <laughs> See my comment about the leopard man in the earlier number. <laughs> and as this aviator man twirls his silver baton, a line of tap dancing pilots come out and just, in unison, do a great tap dance number. And they're kind of being like they're the wings on the plane that he's flying. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, and so he had his baton as the, that, as okay. the propeller in the front. You, you were so right. I, mm. I see it now. I see it now because he. I was sitting here going, why does he have the baton? But that makes sense. It was a mm-hmm. wide baton, very silver, caught the light, and he's just spinning it really fast. That was the propeller. And then mm-hmm. that's why it was just a line of people behind him. They weren't in any kind of specific formation other than just a straight line. Yes. Because they were the wings. One of my special interests when I was a child was old prop planes. <laughs> And Kay is so smart. (laughs) So the audience claps, and the scene changes to a man playing piano. Classic lounge-style piano. Three men come out, crooning. Do-do-do, do-do-do, do-do-do. Totally not what they were actually singing, but that's what I put down and that's what I did. One of the men sings about how having a love at home can make Harlem feel like heaven. Another man sings about Dixie saying, you can keep your Dixie, cause nothing will pull me away from this hot Harlem. Harlem has those southern skies, but is in the northeast. Um, <laughs> and okay, slightly problematic-ish part coming up. Yeah. Uh, oh, God. It occurs with a woman in a odd outfit. She comes out and the subtitles say... That she's singing in Chinese? She is not. Now, I don't know Chinese. However, I have heard enough Chinese tangentially in foreign movies or whatever else to know that this is not Chinese. <laughs> what she was singing was 80s American entertainer non-Chinese Chinese. Mm-hmm. And thankfully, it doesn't go on very long before like the other performers kind of grab her and take her off stage with them. Just, and yes. it was great because she sounds really horrible and like all the other entertainers are like kind of giving her an eye as they start kind of walking by like well mm-hmm. buzzkill and then the last guy on stage just kind of grabs her throat and she's like <clears throat> like she shakes her back and forth and then they go off stage mm-hmm. and that's kind of a throwback to some vaudeville tropes some tropes that you know show up in reviews of you've got your comic relief character and she is definitely the comic relief actress for this show yeah, she was in a lot of comic relief parts, wasn't she? Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I didn't... There we go. There's the part that I lost. So I, I didn't talk about it as much, but uh, the outfit she was in... So she had kind of one of those... I don't. I can't remember what the actual name of the hat is, but mm-hmm. a stereotypical Chinese hat from like 1900s kind of thing. Yeah. One of those big wide brim ones. It kind of looks like that, but not quite as big. And has like fluffy balls on the end tassels yeah tassels and then she has her outfit with like fluffy tassels and stuff just doesn't look great her part isn't that particularly great so i'm glad it was very brief Mm -hmm. it's probably my least favorite part of the show yeah Uh, but yeah and at least the comeuppance was swift and at least the comeuppance (laughs) was swift so (laughs) the music swings up again and a barrage of sparkly dancers come out and just tornado spin kick all over the stage in a display of flying limbs that would make any martial arts master nod in approval. 
All the dancers who have come on and off the stage in this part now all come back on and band together, and they cakewalk with great enthusiasm across the stage. Yes. And I love their outfits in this one because um, it's very tuxedo-style, black and white, mm. uh, very classy-looking. The ladies, you know, rather than having pants, just have fishnet. It actually kind of reminded me a lot of... Uh, of Scrooge, Bill Murray Scrooge, yes, with the the carol singers that are like in revealing outfits. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it reminded me of that a little bit. The song ends and the curtain falls for the act break. The act break concludes. Oh, and I will see. Yeah, okay. Actually, I put it in here. The act break concludes after some great, great music and a somber woman in white comes out to sing about a sentimental mood mm-hmm. and how she never dreamt that you'd love sentimental me this show does a good job of balancing the down with the up because this next song is upbeat and the man and woman on the stage are singing about seeing the light loving by lantern seeing rainbows in their wine seeing the stars in each other's eyes Mm -hmm. all the things combined are what make them see the light Mm -hmm. and i don't and i think context of that song is it was basically like saying i see the light in that uh, I love you. Like they're, yes. they're realizing that they they have a thing for one another, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, just just good. That's the common theme. A lot of stuff is about love, whether it be lost loves, new loves, forgotten loves, mm-hmm. you know, broken loves. Just love is kind of the theme. Yep. Speaking of which, a new couple comes out singing about squeeze me. Don't just tease me. Just squeeze me. And the woman asks for four kisses. The man says, why four kisses? One for each cheek. (laughs) Wink. Now I know where you put the emoji. (laughs) (laughs) So. Oh, that's funny. So as I was typing, we're watching the show. I turned to Kay at one point and I go, why do I keep putting emojis in my notes? No one's going to see them but me. And then here I announce winky face. <laughs> but that's because I actually winked and you folks can't see that. It was very cute. <laughs> so we get some more soft shoe uh, dancing jazziness. And we have two men in white, dan- in white dancing with a woman who is dressed like a fruit tree of some kind. <laughs> the song is a little more quiet than the others. But after it ends, the trumpets come in. And some of that smoky, sweet jazz gets pumped directly into my ear holes as three more people come on stage to dance with the men in white and the lady fruit tree. All the participants <laughs> take turns shaking their groove things to one another before the six dancers pull each other off stage. Was she supposed to be a fruit tree? She looks like a fruit tree. She did, right? but I... <laughs> I don't know what else to call her. She looked like a fruit tree. And I don't mean to say, like, the best way to put... She looked like a sexy fruit tree, which is a sentence I never thought I would utter. Now, from Spirit Halloween... I was just about to say, what are you supposed to be for Halloween? A fruit tree. Ma'am? Okay. Let me get this back on track. Take the A train. Okay, so... I love this next part. Um, so a man driving a taxi cab yes. made of other people <laughs> drives the taxi cab onto the stage and starts singing wah, 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 pretending to be the car horn. Kay is laughing because I did that so incredibly bad. so wrong. You know, we, we watched this, like this scene was what, maybe 30 minutes ago? Yeah. It tunes out of my brain. It's okay, baby. But yeah, so all the men who make up, because I think he had four men with him, because he's sitting in the middle, and there then- There were six, because there, there were six? two guys okay. as each bumper. Yeah, you're right. Two guys as a bumper, and then four guys as each tire, mm-hmm. and tire wheel well, and headlight and stuff. Yeah. And like, they were like bent over, you know, like a 90, 90 degrees, being the car part, and then they'd pop up and be like, wah, wah, or wah. Yeah. Kind of thing to be the honk. It was so cool. It was so funny. Like yeah. it was it, the the physical comedy of this particular scene was just 
entertaining. Like, mm-hmm. I just it really made me laugh. Okay, so the man who's driving the yellow taxi cab, made of other people, he drives onto the stage and starts singing, and the cars are all wah, wah, to pretend to be the car horn, as the singer and driver of the human yellow cab sings about how he's lucky, because after his hard day's work, he gets to rush home to be with his lady. And the cars do, 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 wah, 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 offstage. <laughs> like I said, a lot of these things are about just being excited to have a, a, a companion mm-hmm. of sorts. Fruit Tree Lady makes a return <laughs> appearance. She comes back on stage with the other ladies from the earlier dance scene. And the additional dancers and more additional dancers join from offstage. A woman comes out and starts to sing about how she went to a dance uninvited and without a date. A man even came up to her and said, hey, wallflower, why are you here? (laughs) And the woman laments, continuing to sing about how she had no invitation to the dance and everyone leaves her on stage by herself, looking sad and awkward. Yep, and that was the comic relief lady. That's the comic relief lady. And she does her bits good, and Mm -hmm. she seems like she's a good sport about kind of being the butt of some of the jokes. Yeah. But this particular song, like the music and and everything was really good in this song. And it was just interesting because there's a part with her singing about like she when she's dancing, she's kind of oblivious to this guy who is kind of interested in her. And he's like mm-hmm. trying to like get her attention to dance with him. But she seems to just be lamenting about how she's at this party uninvited with no date mm-hmm. and not noticing the guy who's showing some interest in her. Yep. More tap dancing. <laughs> My heart cries out. And the show delivers with, again, another (laughs) good, more mellow scene as a single man comes out and just tap dances amazingly while the big band plays behind him. The man then says, don't throw no water on me, let me burn, Mm -hmm. which I think is in regards to just how fast he was going and how hard he was working. Not sure, but it's what I choose to think. He's on fire. Gotcha. The tap dancer duplicates like an amoeba, and now there are two (laughs) tap dancers in matching outfits, dancing in harmony, and also counter dancing. Is that what I'd call it? I don't know, but all I know is that it is great. So, like, Mm -hmm. they're dancing, and it would be almost like this guy's dancing while the other one's watching or maybe just dancing just a little bit, Mm -hmm. and the other guy would dance more while the other one just kind of danced and watched. And so I wasn't sure if it was like a, you show me your thing, and then I'll show you mine, or if it was, oh, yeah, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da, oh, yeah, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. It didn't give me the feel of a dance-off, but it could have been. I mean, if it was a dance-off, it was a... A very genial A very genial dance off yes the brothers tap conclude their song and one scampers off stage leaving the other solo and in the spotlight the man mimes mimes shuffling cards using his feet to do the shuffling noises Mm -hmm. which was pretty clever Mm -hmm. Uh, lively drums pick up the beat and horns come in and suddenly some bedazzled card shark types come on stage and they pretend to play poker with one another while the music freaking bops Mm -hmm. this was a really fun scene because there you got five guys also kind of standing in a kind of in a semicircle but like Mm -hmm. a wide one and uh they're like there's some good physical comedy because like you know they're they're all cheating like one yes all all of them would be like looking at the neighbor's cards and then the neighbor would notice and then it's just like this domino effect of like la gasp hide my cards la gasp hide my cards like all the way down each row you know Mm -hmm. and they they did um so you know how at a sporting event people do the wave yes where it like starts on one side and then comes over to you and then you Mm -hmm. do your thing what's that called when there's five people is it still the wave what do you call it i would think so because they kind of did that style of thing where like the person on the far end would do something with their leg and the guy next to them would do something Mm -hmm. and it would trickle down all the way to the end and they did that in a lot of their choreography Mm -hmm. and it just was visually appealing and it was entertaining especially knowing the context of the song that it's a bunch of a bunch of cheaters playing cards yeah and i'm sure that there is a term for it but my brain does not want me to remember it for whatever reason that is okay i throw out a bunch of asinine oddball (laughs) questions to you so Our main man wins the game, though, and all the other poker players throw themselves to the floor and flail in protest of losing. (laughs) They all eventually stand back up and engage in more twirly dancing. The card champ fans through his money, and a bunch of women come out of nowhere and swarm the man, gazing at his handful of money. 
But the man's wife, question mark, I assume? Girlfriend, maybe? girlfriend. She comes in and confronts the man about his clubbing ways. And she says that she's had enough. And she stomps off. The man, newly singled, laments about how his lady has left him. But the fruit tree lady from earlier comes back on stage and the man rebounds quickly and <laughs> rushes off with her. Mm -hmm. The woman who broke up with him, she's got it bad, Kay. And that ain't good. Mm -mm. No siree. She sings about how her heart is sentimental. Not made of wood. Now she's ended up just like she started, crying her heart out. Mm -hmm. She's got it bad, and that ain't good. The sad woman is confronted by another, even sadder woman, who's like, You think you've got it bad? You ain't never been blue. She's not only blue, she's indigo. She's so lonely. She could cry, because there's no one who cares about her. That's why she's got that mood indigo. Yep. The woman from earlier starts back up again saying some folks with good intentions <laughs> tell me to save my tears <laughs> perfect timing both of these ladies got it bad one is a lonely weeping willow lost in the woods the other tells her pillow things that no woman should scandalous <laughs> but what but what they can agree upon is that both women have it bad and that ain't good mm-hmm the next song, against my previous theory of up and down, up and down, is still kind of down. It's quiet, more somber jazz, but uh, but as I'm typing this, the music starts to swing up, and the dancers uh, start getting partners, and they start moving faster and faster. Their dancing becomes less classical waltzing and more swingish. I thought it would continue to pick up, but now it drops back down a bit as a fancy, as a very fancy lady in a very, very fancy coat, she comes on and she starts to dance very slowly and controlled. As a man nearby sings about how she's changed, smoking, drinking, not thinking about tomorrow, dancing with strange men, the somber woman takes her coat back from the man and walks off stage. But it doesn't mean a thing if it ain't got that swing comes back in, and the dancing man is joined by four backup dancers, and they kick some... <laughs> and they kick some tap. <laughs> I don't know why I said that, but I'm going to stand by it. <laughs> some more dancers come on so everyone can pair off. The tempo picks up, and everyone starts dancing faster and faster to the doa 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 doa. The music crescendos, and the title drops down from the ceiling, and everyone on stage bows. Each performer comes on one by one or in pairs to bow and receive their applause from the audience. The conductor, Duke Ellington's son, comes down and receives his own applause. Yeah, Mercer Ellington. Mercer Ellington, as the band plays out the show and the credits roll. Mm hmm. And, uh, doa 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 cuz it don't mean a thing if it ain't got that swing doa 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 i i liked the show it was I'm glad. it was so very different from anything that we've reviewed cuz it, was. it, it wasn't an opera it wasn't a traditional musical it was just kind of a, a musical spectacle yeah it, it's it's one of Huh, it's it's definitely up there for me with the shows that we've covered because entertaining wall to wall, great music, mm -hmm. great performers, mm -hmm. just very very entertaining. I can see why this style of performance was so popular. Yes, because it's great, it's entertaining, it's wonderful. Mm -hmm. I enjoyed and, it, and people still do them. Uh, they don't always say that they're doing a review, but really, it does feel like that is a thing that exists. I enjoyed. Bouncing on my groove thing to this entire show. I am so glad. Yeah. I am so glad because, yeah, I liked it. Oh, I love jazz, too. It mm -hmm. just it, There's there's so much music that I do like that I just don't listen to, mm -hmm. you know? It's like when we listen to classic rock and I'm like, oh, yeah, this is really good. Mm -hmm. You know, and then it's like big band jazz music comes on and I'm just like, it don't mean a thing if it ain't got that word. I'm going to be singing that when we're doing dinner tonight. That's fine. Do that I, is... do I, do I, do I, do I, do I, do I. Hmm. All right. So, Warren, are you ready for what we are doing next? Hit me with it, Kay. 
So uh, starting for next week, we are back to our usual episodes for a little while. And we are going to be doing one that we actually watched during our hiatus. <gasps> that I'm excited to do this one. Yes. I, it was a show that I had been wanting to see forever. And then friend of the show, Melissa Findlay, uh, poked us and poked said, hey. Us. Yeah. And oh my goodness, it was so good. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was during the lull of, of uh, when we weren't really doing shows, but then that popped up and it was like, okay, we'll, we'll, yes. we, we gotta, we, we need gotta. this right now. <laughs> and so um, we are going to be doing a gentleman's guide to love and murder, which I am so excited about because, uh, it was a really fun show to watch. It was a show that I wasn't sure how we were going to be able to watch it. So when Melissa uh, messaged me on Twitter, I was just like, ah, yeah. yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Except for much more subdued because <laughs> I'm more subdued over text. Than, <laughs> That's than why person. emojis exist. Yeah. So that over text, you can know the emotion behind the words. Or a keyboard smash. Or a keyboard Astrophys- smash. I don't even know how those are pronounced, but <laughs> anyway. So yeah, next next week we're back to our usual shows and we will be doing A Gentleman's Guide to Love and Murder. Woo! So thank you all so much for listening to this episode of Tone Deaf. We hope that you enjoyed it. And one good thing is that you can see Sophisticated Ladies on Amazon included with a Broadway HD membership, which is worth it. This is not paid promotion. It's just me going, hey, this is where we saw it. You can see it too. <laughs> Appreciate the art. Appreciate. Yes. <sighs> Thank you all so much for listening to this episode and joining us on this uh, uh, musical review extravaganza exploration thing. If you'd like to reach out to Kay and myself, you can do so at our home base, which is ToneDeafMusical.com. There we have links to all of our social medias, our Twitters, our Facebooks, our Instagrams, as well as a link to the Cast Junkie Discord server where we have our own Not Safe for Work channel. And Please... it's mostly Not Safe for Work for swears. Yeah, yeah. yeah we, we, Kay and I are probably going to be changing some social media stuff, and uh, yeah, it's 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 not safe for work, but it's not really not safe for work. Yeah, it's not really not safe for work. It's just so that every so often we can drop an f bomb <laughs> that we don't drop on these episodes. <laughs> um, if you want to support the show, you can do so by going to any of your podcatchers, uh, your iTunes, your Spotify's, your Good Pods, your Pod Chasers. And leaving a five-star review, those really help us out. Um, if you don't know what to say, you can say, uh, it don't mean a thing do if I, they didn't got I, that I, swing. And you can uh, type in a little scat in the, in the review. Um, if you want to go above and beyond, you can do so by going to our Patreon, which is Tone Deaf Musical. There we have different levels that you can join at. Uh, we also do have merch at RT Public. Um, anyway, I think that'll be it for this week. I'm Kay. I'm Warren. And this has been Tone Deaf. It don't mean a thing when I'm cooking dinner and I hopefully don't burn my hand this time. Aloe vera is so great when you burn yourself cooking steak. It's cold or hot. Just don't grab it with an ungloved hand. <laughs>